This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. One-timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! And everything from the state of hockey. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Episode 54 of the Healthy Scratch interview segment and Nick, I, I don't know if we're interviewing each other, but it's a little bit of a different look here this week on the Healthy Scratch interview segment. Fortunately, uh, we were set to have Dave Starman on this week, but you know what? Scheduling things happen. Uh, he's a very busy man. Obviously, I think he's doing some sort of important tournament out in Fargo. Yeah, you know, he's he's in Fargo, you know, first of all, spring break is over, so I'm not sure what he's really trying for. Oh, yeah, NCAA tournament, right, Noah? So (laughs) uh, at the end of it, yes, a very, very busy professional broadcaster. And uh, from what we gather is that there was some interview times that had changed. And uh, unfortunately, that's just the way the broadcast industry works. Things change constantly on the fly. He has to adjust to it. And unfortunately, you know, we didn't want to keep you guys, the fans, waiting. Um, And so we decided to make an adjustment. Hope to have Dave. maybe on the near yes. future, but uh, for now uh, we will kind of just, as you mentioned, Noah, we'll kind of just interview each other um, about our reactions to the NCAA uh, bracket. First of all, the selections, which if I recall, mine were pretty good. Um, not necessarily where, I think that's the biggest yeah. uh, topic of discussion. Um, Noah, I'll kick it out to you first. First of all, um, the reaction, your initial reaction to uh, the teams that are in, I think, you know, as bad as we thought we were going to be, we're actually, I think we're pretty close. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think what caught most of us off guard and myself included was where a lot of teams ended up and in, including our St. Cloud State Huskies. Yeah, that was very, very interesting. Also, yeah, kind of like you mentioned as well, uh, really excited hopefully to have uh, Dave on uh, potentially in the near future to break down some NCAA hockey. And also I hope that if he ever does take a spring break or a vacation, I hope that Fargo is not his destination because that is just <laughs> not a place to be. Not that Fargo's bad, but I can think of a lot better places than the cold winters uh, during spring break in North Dakota. But anyway, speaking of Fargo, Nick, I, I University of North Dakota obviously was a lock. Uh, I'm going to pull up the bracket here so that I don't confuse myself because that's pretty natural for me to do. Uh, North I was, Dakota was the number one overall seed. I'm trying to give you some time to pull up your bracket. No, here, I got it. I got it. I'm. Oh, I'm you're qu- ready. Okay. I'm, I'm quick, unlike you, Nick. Anyway, um, shots fired. So uh, number th- number three, I had um, Minnesota Duluth. I was still on on that one. Um, fairly, I mean, I still had him in the bracket. Uh, Lake Superior was the one that we expected maybe to be in Fargo. And I think that this is the one that kind of got shuffled around a little bit because of the St. Lawrence situation. Uh, I don't know if American International was going to be the four seed at that particular point. Uh, It probably might have been St. Lawrence, I guess, at that point. But um, nonetheless, uh, again, we kind of I think the biggest thing that kind of threw a snafu for us is actually a little bit of we didn't really know how much to expect. Uh, whether they would restrict any travel for teams. And it seems like from my perspective, 
Uh, one, that they didn't really do that. But two, I think the reasoning being when you have eight teams, which we predicted uh, actually a fair ways back that could come out of the Big Ten and NCHC combined, you really kind of got to spread those teams all over the map a little bit. I mean, you don't really want it where you have uh, half of your potential group. I mean, there could be three or four, you know, total, all four teams in the Frozen Four could come from the Big Ten and the NCHC this year. That's very possible. So I think the committee was really intentional about, you know, we get a lot of good teams in this bracket. We don't want to confine them to, you know, one side of the of the United States and one side of the bracket here. So I think that's kind of what you're seeing a little bit. We didn't know if it was going to be more of a normal situation like that, or if we were going to see some travel restrictions. So I think that's part of the reason why we were off. But anyway, American International does get North Dakota. So not too surprised by that, I guess. Uh, uh, Michigan ending up with Minnesota Duluth. I'm a little bit surprised by this in one sense, Nick. And I'm surprised in the fact that if you look at North Dakota, the number one team in the country, they have kind of a tough bracket to get out of don't you agree comparatively to maybe a team like wisconsin they do and you know what's what's <laughs> to quote ben holden i had a very nice telephone conversation with him this afternoon if aic can do what they did to st cloud i hate to open up mm-hmm. old scars but if they can take that same game plan and execute it to that level who is to say that they can't make an upset to north dakota now to be fair the talent level on north dakota in a similar way to St. Cloud, you would think on paper that can't happen. But at the end of it, that's what AIC does, right? They're a team that likes to frustrate teams. They're a team that when they're playing their style of hockey is taking your four check out of the picture. There really is no attack game for them. It's more to capitalize on you getting sort of frustrated and trying to get yourself out of your own game. And then that's when they turn on the Jets. It's happened before. We've seen it. We've experienced it, right? So, mm-hmm. and it, it's not, like you mentioned, an easy bracket. So it was to say they get past American International College, right? You have, like you mentioned, Minnesota Duluth and or Michigan, the winner of that one, two yeah. very solid hockey teams. So for North Dakota, it's going to be, you know, you, you, you don't want to say a gauntlet per se, but it's not going to be an easy road uh, to get to the Frozen Four. And again, AIC, yeah, they're the 16th overall seed, but they have proven that they can come up big in big contests. And so you can't overlook them and what they can do, especially defensively and through the neutral zone as well. Yeah. One of the things I will mention, um, one of my really good friends is actually on the the lead coordinator for the ice crew in Fargo this weekend. No pressure. Right. But I do want to mention this. Number one, they tested the ice and got the ice in last week and they've skated on it a bunch to make sure that it's really good. And number two, the guy that was actually helping him do that, Corey Portner from the Herbrooks National Hockey Center actually helped them set up uh, their ice this time around. So I think the ice conditions won't play a factor um, not that they were a factor really that much a couple of years ago, but I mean, good ice is good ice. I mean, let's be realistic about that. So I think for Univ- the University of North Dakota being a number one seed, they kind of, they didn't get really the luck of the draw of being a number one seed, potentially having an easier road. Um, and you really, I think if you're uh, fighting Hawks fans, hope that Duluth and Michigan kind of kick the shit out of each other <laughs> for lack of a better term in that regional moving over, uh, staying in the West here, Nick, over to Loveland, uh, Minnesota, we expected them to be the one seed. Yep. They're locked in on, um, uh, Minnesota state ends up over there. That's where we kind of expected maybe St. Cloud to kind of fill that role a little bit. I, uh, um, and then this, this is kind of where the bracket, I think really got weird. Uh, I had Omaha in this bracket. Um, I was right about that. Omaha is there right now. Um, we have Bemidji State in there. Uh, Minnesota State and Quinnipiac in that bottom part of that bracket. Was that one a little bit surprising to you? I should mention 
as you had mentioned, we actually got all the teams correct besides uh, Notre Dame with the uh, um, loss Saint of St. Lawrence, if you will. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, here's what's interesting, though. I think there's a you talk about a, you know, a March Madness, right? And you talk about some of the potential really enticing upset matches. I really do think actually Nebraska Omaha has a really good chance to upset the University of Minnesota down there in Loveland just because of the way that they play, right? Nebraska Omaha is a team that plays by committee. They play a very heavy, hard style of hockey. And with Minnesota, you know, still a young, skill-heavy team up front. Um, and mind you, to win the Big Ten, their first two, they had to come from behind, force overtime uh, before they took it, you know, on the championship game. Um, I think Nebraska Omaha, just for the way the team plays, Noah, has the best chance to upset a number one overall seed in their bracket in terms of the regionals out of anybody in this tournament so far so um mm -hmm. mike gabinet who um had a conversation with ben and we talked about it this morning uh i can tell you mike gabinet from the words of ben holden he's feeling really really confident in this matchup now again saying one thing and executing is another but how goofy would that be if nebraska omaha was able to get past the gophers and then have to face either minnesota state or quinnipiac as that regional championship game there in Loveland, colorado well, from someone who uh, lives in a family with two Gopher fans and my parents, and I got to kind of take in that Big Ten tournament, uh, it's no stretch of the imagination. The Gophers won that tournament, but boy, they had a lot of puck luck from the hockey gods to help them get there. They did not look sharp through a fair amount of that tournament, to be totally honest with you, uh, and a very beatable hockey team and a UNO team that you got to believe was one feels like maybe they're playing with house money a little bit sneaking into the tournament and number two maybe has a chip on their shoulder from uh, narrowly uh, losing to Denver in the NCHC frozen faceoff to punch their ticket uh, you know in a more confident manner if you will uh, Nick one more question I want to ask you about the west here uh, is there question marks for the first time all season with this Mankato club losing in such a uh, porous fashion if you will in the WCHA playoffs uh, you know, yes and no, right? Because it's it's one thing to face adversity as a hockey team, right? And every game is unique. Every game has its own set of circumstances. You mentioned puck luck and bounces. I, I think it can do one or two things for you, right? It's if you lose in that fashion, it, you can either give you motivation to redeem yourself or it's going to sit on you and it's, you're going to dwell on it and it's going to affect you moving forward, right? Mankato does have quite the mental hurdle, mental challenge, coming into this tournament uh, to just try to put that behind them um, and to try to just look at the opportunity forward, right? Uh, St. Cloud is in no different opportunity here. They had North Dakota um, up to one in the third before. Again, we talked about it before, uh, essentially uh, five to seven minutes of lapse time and they lose the championship game to a team that they, for the most part, stuck with them that entire game. And so for, for Mankato, I mean, you have to look at it as a clean slate. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. As, as a player, um, you know this as well as I know. Uh, um, it is going to be the mental challenge of this hockey game. Minnesota is a very skilled, very good team. Um, you do wonder, however, and I think this is the question mark, is you, you talk about power conferences, right? The NCHC, the Big Ten. Does a team like Mankato, where you don't necessarily see how deep the WCH is in comparison to, does that hurt them? coming into this tournament, not having to face that level of competition day in and day out, or should I say weekend and week out, um, they're going to have to be ready. And I do think sometimes those types of losses can, be, can give you a kick in the butt. We'll just have to see uh, who shows up, uh, you know, to uh, lovely uh, Colorado, but you know, as for Mankato, you just got to look forward. You can't look behind you. 
And if you're Mankato, you got to be happy that you're getting a team in a somewhat potentially weaker conference in Quinnipiac versus getting, you know, Minnesota out of the draw or the University of North Dakota as well. Not that Quinnipiac's a bad team. They're going to be a very tough test. But like you mentioned, there's something to be said with eight teams, half the field coming from the NCHC and the Big Ten. So before we move to the East, Nick, I want your predictions, to be totally honest Uh, with you. I want to know who makes it out of the regional in Fargo and who makes it out of the regional in Loveland. Take your pick as to which one you want to take a stab at first. Sure. Um, so we'll go, you know, game by game, right? So I do think North Dakota does, you know, go over the uh, yellow hornets of AIC and the Michigan and Minnesota Duluth. This one was tough for me, but Scott Sandlin, his teams play their best hockey during these times. I'm going to go with Duluth as the upset and have an all NCHC regional final and I do think the Fighting Hawks do make it out of Fargo. I just, again, you can't really count out that team with how deep they are from front to back and especially in goal. Uh, to me, North Dakota comes out of that. Moving down south again to Colorado and Loveland, the Gophers Omaha, I'm going to actually take the Maverick as the upset against the Gophers. And I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say that, honestly. Um, I do see the Mavericks Minnesota State rebounding and and taking over Quinnipiac, which leaves us with a Mavericks versus Mavericks game, if you want to call it. (laughs) Um, And I do think, again, I'm going to actually take Omaha out of that one because, again, the style of play Omaha, I think, is going to give a skilled possession team like Mankato some fits. And Omaha, they had played their best hockey consistently in the pod. I think they can re- you know, kind of rediscover that energy. And they're going to be a really tough test for Minnesota State because, again, it's not one, two, three, all four lines Omaha when they're rolling well. They're some of the toughest teams to play against. And I do think Omaha will come out of the Budweiser Event Center in Loveland, Colorado. Well, I'd say if the Mavericks play the Mavericks, I'm guessing the Mavericks are going to get the victory on that one. (laughs) But... Okay, so I'm going to go same result, I think, with North Dakota and AIC on this one. We're not going to see a repeat of what we saw a couple years ago. Uh, Minnesota Duluth, I agree with you. I think they escaped that one. I provided um, that Michigan just doesn't find a way to get a couple of balances. I think Duluth, uh, Dave Starman actually mentioned it very, very well. I think Duluth down two to nothing in that game is a lot more calm and composed than Michigan down two to nothing in that game. So I think if Duluth can find a way to get to their game early, uh, it's game over for the Wolverines who are loaded loaded with talent and first round picks that are willing to do some damage if you give them enough rope and enough space to continue on through that hockey game i actually think the bulldogs are coming out of that regional to be totally honest with you i think you really can't discount the two-time defending national champions who arguably had a chance for their third national championship last year i just don't discount them until i finally see them lose in a regional or in a frozen four i just think the bulldogs are coming out of that regional (laughs) until somebody shows me otherwise moving over into loveland I, I don't know about this Minnesota State and Quinnipiac one. I'm a little bit torn about that one. I still think the Mavericks pull this one out uh, and get the job done. Um, but you got to wonder how they're going to respond in the first five minutes of that game. Are you going to see a group that's kind of a little bit ticked off and willing to play their game? Or are they still going to be a little bit shaky uh, with a goaltender in McKay who's been absolutely lights out besides uh, the goaltending gaffe, if you will, the WCHA playoffs last week? Um, Nick, I think the Gophers get out of this tournament. I think they find a way to make it to the Frozen Four. I think our buddy Bob Motzko puts it all together, and I think this is going to be the best weekend of hockey that you're going to see from the Minnesota Golden Gophers, in my personal opinion. Um, Just because uh, I think Minnesota has not played at the level that they wanted to be at in most of the second half of the season. And we know with hockey teams, the longer you don't play, 
like you should be playing, one of two things happens. You continue to play like shit or you, you find a way to turn it on at the right moment. I think we saw that a couple of years ago, the first time Minnesota Duluth kind of found their way is where they were that middle of the pack team kind of up and down, hitting that adversity, winning some games, winning some bigger games, but then kind of dropping some games, but then they really pulled it all together at the right time. But I hate to say it Huskies fans, but Bob Mosco is that kind of coach and he's that kind of guy that can motivate that group. They've got uh, a potential um, Richter award winner uh, in Jack LaFontaine in net there. Um, and they've got a lot of deadly power up front. The biggest thing is, are the Gophers willing to play physical? I think if they can stick to their speed game as much as they can, they're going to be okay. But if the physical matchup starts to get rough and heavy, as it will against that Omaha team, that's the style that they like to play. If the Gophers can contend with that, they're going to be fine. If not, like you mentioned, Omaha might be a really good bet in that regional. Moving over to the East, Nick, um, and I guess there's a team there that maybe is super intriguing as far as we're concerned. I don't know. But uh, taking a look at the brackets here and what we kind of had comparatively, we certainly did not see the St. Cloud State Huskies out in a regional, uh, but they are going to be in Albany here. Um, Here is the bracket, Nick. I had zero teams out of four in this one. Uh, I had Wisconsin, UMass, Quinnipiac, and AIC in this regional. It is actually... Boston College, Notre Dame, St. Cloud State, and BU. Um, BU, the number two seed in the country here, uh, they get Notre Dame out of the gate, which is pretty much the fill-in team uh, for St. Lawrence. And then our St. Cloud State Huskies get the Terriers, the Dogs versus the Dogs in Boston University. Let's start with the BC-Notre Dame game. Uh, I have BC in this one, but Nick, to be totally honest with you, were you a little bit surprised that Notre Dame out of all the teams in the bubble was the team that punched their ticket? Cause honestly, I, I hate to bring it up. I thought Providence or Bowling Green maybe had more of a case to be surely honest with you in this Notre Dame who I don't, I don't even think there were 500 if I'm not mistaken. And they, they got, were. well, they got totally, they got totally reamed in the, in the first round of the big 10 tournament. They just, they have not had a good showing in the last three weeks of the tournament and I haven't been impressed, to be honest with you. So a little bit surprised. That was the only surprise I had in the bracket and the only surprise coming about with the only team that switched on us because of St. Lawrence. So, you know, and, and that's going to be, you know, we, we talk about, again, who gets snobbed or, you know, who sneaks in. And, you know, as we have gone through the list, Noah, again, it's it's been more about where the teams have ended up, not necessarily whom. Uh, but this Notre Dame team is, you know, again, they're not the team that should be there. Um, but they were the next in line, if we want to call it, um, after St. Lawrence. And uh, you, you do kind of wonder, you know, who else was in that conversation, Um I do think Bowling Green and, and Providence were in that conversation. How they came out on top of the other two um, is something we'll never have a clear answer on. And again, there's no perfect math to these types of decisions, right? So um, at the end of it, you know, if you're Boston College, 100% on paper, they're the better squad. 17-5-1 um, for, uh, for Boston College. Uh, the Eagles with a, a nice little Minnesota Wild prospect who has really, really found his game, especially since the end of his freshman year. Uh, up front, Boston College is so good, and I don't see how they don't get past Notre Dame unless Notre Dame comes with a, a pretty good game plan, uh, probably similar to the style that we've maybe seen from AIC. Uh, but then you have uh, another team there, a, a dog v. dog type scenario. It's the St. Cloud and Boston U. Um, no question to me on paper against St. Cloud should be favored in this. Now, mind you, 
St. Cloud completed 27 games this season and, and BU only six, only uh, 15. So there's an extra 12 games of repetition here. Um, but again, you cannot count out Boston U. Uh, they're a well-coached team. Uh, they have some really, really good talent on that squad as noticed by their roster. Uh, but again, that East Coast um, collegiate, that whole area, not just the ECAC, but, uh, you know, you, you know, those conferences out there didn't really have the same success of, of really finishing a full regular season, unlike the Big Ten and the NCHC did. So you wonder, is St. Cloud more battle tested or, you know, are they, you know, more, you know, more engaged into, you know, this type of play? Um, no question the NCAC tournament has helped the Huskies. Um, I think they come out of that game and you, you could quite see possibly a really really amazing championship game between the BC and St. Cloud state in, in that regional. And uh, I hate to say this, but I, I, does St. Cloud pub a fight? Yes. But I, I just have a very difficult time putting hundred percent of my, my energy because these are two very well matched teams. Noah, they play very similar styles, skill up front, skill in the back end that can both defend as well as jump in on the rush. It's going to come down to goaltending. And honestly, that one might be a really close contest because we're a St. Cloud State podcast. I obviously have to give it to the Huskies, but you know, I think it's going to be a very good hockey game if both those teams can get past their first round matchup. And that might be one of the more exciting championship games as far as, you know, how well both those teams execute their game plans and maybe the other three regionals that are out there. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and we'll touch on that uh, in the second half of the show very quickly here as we're going to talk uh, kind of a deep dive of what we expect from that matchup between the Huskies and the Terriers. Uh, it's funny, when I was actually looking at the thing, I had BCBU and St. Lawrence, a.k.a. the fill-in team for St. Lawrence, actually all in the same regional. I just had them in Bridgeport instead of Albany. So uh, for me, I guess in that one, if we want to kind of stick with who we think is going to come out of that one, um, I actually think the Huskies are going to come out, out of that one, to be honest with you. Uh, the only question mark, as we're going to touch on, is what kind of St. Cloud State team are we going to get? You, you know, are we going to get the St. Cloud State team that laid an egg up in Kalamazoo in Western Michigan or, or, or up the one up in Duluth? Or are we going to get the St. Cloud State team that looked like they did through the majority of the NCHC tournament where they were on fire and playing arguably their best hockey of the year? Uh, if it's, uh, how do I say it? The latter instead of the former, I think, is the right way to say this. Uh, the Huskies are going to be just fine, but you just hope that uh, similar to a lot of recent St. Cloud State Huskies hockey lore, they don't lay an egg at the wrong time. Moving on to our last regional in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I tell you what, Nick, I think the Wisconsin Badgers escape like badges like bandits in this one, to be honest with you. Uh, I had BC, Michigan, BU, and St. Lawrence in this one. It is actually Wisconsin facing the number four seed in Bemidji State uh, with uh, former St. Cloud State assistant coach Mike Gibbons. And then Lake Superior State, who had a really good showing in the WCHA tournament, uh, the last WCHA men's hockey game potentially in over 70 years of hockey in that league, uh, playing UMass in that one. Uh, Nick, Wisconsin, Bemidji State, uh, does this one have the potential to be closer or is this one yes. going to be? Yeah, you it think does. so? I do because, and you, you talk about the same comparison to Scott Sandlin as Dave Starman does. I'm much more, well, I'll put it this way. Wisconsin's a team where they don't play well defensively a lot of the times. Uh, Bemidji State, is a team that if they have a structure. lead, they lock it down. They have yep. structure. The first goal in this hockey game 
might be the, you know, decide the winner in this contest, honestly. Um, Wisconsin's a team where if they get to three, four goals, they generally win most of those contests. So for Wisconsin, it's going to be putting pucks on that and see if they can't beat through a very yeah. structured, especially through the neutral zone, the Bemidji State Beaver squad. And for Bemidji, if you can get a one or two goal lead, it's going to be about locking things down. And I just don't see Wisconsin uh, you know, they've got some grit to their game. Um, but to me, Bemidji State and the way that they do the, a, a one, two, two, four check went up, they're going to be beating the pulp out of the Badgers in this contest. And so this is a close matchup. There is no easy pick on this. And uh, I, I'm curious as to what you're picking this, but I actually am going to go with another upset. Yes, I am. I'm going to go Bemidji State over Wisconsin just because I trust the structure of Bemidji over Wisconsin, especially defensively, which from what I hear wins championships uh, for the most part. So um, I do think the Beavers come out of that matchup. Defense. What's that? I know. Right. <laughs> um, and then uh, Lake Superior state, I'm going to say they're going to ride the wave. Um, I'm going to pick uh, okay. LSSU over UMass and we're going to have um, a WCHA ridden. Yes. Uh, regional final where I do think Lake Superior state will take on that one. So you're going to see uh, LSSU come out of the Bridgeport, Connecticut regional and uh, probably not too popular of a pick I would imagine, but that's what I'm going with this time around. Yeah. Interesting pick. Um, also don't forget, speaking of all WCHA, this is the first time that all five Minnesota teams have ever made uh, the tournament together. So kind of a fun little caveat there. I, uh, in that first matchup, you look at Bemidji state, I, I hope Bemidji state wins. The question mark to me, uh, how is their first 20 going to be? Can you keep that game to a two to one or three to two hockey game? If you can do that, you're fine. I don't doubt that Bemidji state, who I believe is still Tom's territory, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yep. Um, I always get a mixed up because there's so many territories back in, back in the days when we were watching hockey, um, you know, back before we're conti- currently watching hockey. Right. But I think Bemidji state, the question mark is really going to be how that first 20 shakes out. If it, if it's two, nothing badgers or two to one badgers, I, I, the train is kind of rolling and you can't really get off the tracks. I think Wisconsin is just too good of a hockey team. I really do. And that's, yeah, I, I hope Bemidji wins. Cause I would love to see Bemidji kind of punch their ticket. That's a program that that would be a well-earned win in tournament time for that group. I think Wisconsin is just too good of a group and too offensively powered. But like you mentioned, they're like the Toronto Maple Leafs in the NHL. Um, I think Freddie Anderson is maybe a more capable goaltender than uh, what Wisconsin has, but nonetheless, uh, you know, firepower is firepower, but you know, when the sparks aren't flying, you're really in trouble if you're an offensively heavy team Uh, moving over into the other side of that bracket, Nick, I'm really torn on this one, but I'm going to stick with you on this one. I think Lake Superior state gets the nod. I was not overly enamored when I watched uh, the game against UMass Lowell and UMass, I mean, a one nothing finish for that one with UMass. I did not see a team that had that killer instinct in them. I really didn't see it. I think Lake Superior State, like you mentioned, I mean, you talk about uh, the game against Northern Michigan in the WCHA championship game. That was a game where Northern Michigan really made a good bid to climb back into that hockey game late and Lake Superior just kind of put the nail in the coffin and put their foot down and said, Nope, not going to happen. This is our game. So uh, I really like Lake Superior state. Um, I think Wisconsin comes out of that tournament. I got to be honest with you. I think that if their offenses roll on all cylinders, uh, they were arguably, I think if the golden Gophers don't get a good last 10 minutes in that second period in the big 10 championship game, they're the team that rolls right through in that tournament. They're just the weapons that they have at their disposal. Um, 
I'm just too impressed by them. And I think actually the other team that would fit the bill as being that impressive offensively would actually be Michigan if they weren't so darn young and facing such an experienced team in Duluth. So I think Wisconsin comes out of this regional, but I think it's a 5-4 game and maybe triple overtime against Lake Superior. I think Lake Superior is going to put up one heck of a fight. And I think both of those regionals in the bottom brackets on that eastern side are going to be very, very interesting. Um, beyond that, Nick, I think we're going to have to dissect um, do you want to dissect who you think would win the Frozen Four out of that, or do we want to wait a couple of weeks? And do you want it? If you're I feeling mean, it, we're making predictions, right? So if you're feeling there's it. only there's only three more matchups, honestly. So for me, I had North Dakota as well as Lake Superior State coming out of their regionals, and from what I see in the bracket, though, that would be the matchup uh, in the semifinals, and then it would be St. Cloud State. Um, and they would be taking on to me, um, Omaha. And uh, that is, that is, uh, that's a good battle. (laughs) Um, You know, again, Omaha has some guys that, you know, it's a timely thing, but if they like to light the lamp when they're feeling it, they can pot three, four, five goals. Uh, And again, for St. Cloud, can they get over that physical barrage and will Omaha Omaha at that point have enough in the tank, right? Because that style of play can, you know, certainly test a team's gas tank and how much you have left, especially when you come down to this late in the season. Um, But as St. Cloud can, again, as we mentioned before, the matchups, if they can utilize the speed of clean breakouts, especially uh, if Nick Perbix can make those right decisions and not force passes up the wall. And if he sees room in front of him in the defensive zone and skate it out, I think St. Cloud will be fine in that matchup. Um, But Again, Omaha can't count them out. They roll four lines as St. Cloud State does when they're playing good hockey. And uh, again, that's just going to be a really good don't, Western matchup. Don't forget, though, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, I it would actually be Omaha would likely actually get uh, North Dakota in that matchup because there's a reseed. Ah, you're yes. right. So, so then, correct me if I'm wrong, St. Cloud against LSSU yep. in my bracket then. So to me, St. Cloud would be favored on that pretty easily uh I, you know and granted when i say pretty easily that is on paper nothing is easy at this level right yeah. um especially if i mean think about this lake superior state they win the wcha then you get past uh umass you get past what i believe again would be bemidji um at least in my bracket um those are two tough battles you know, you could be writing some confidence and like you said that house money feeling that's the most dangerous team in any tournament that feels like they maybe in their back that think they shouldn't be there, but they are right. Um, right. And so to me, Lake Superior will put up a fight, but I do think St. Cloud takes it. Then you have Omaha and North Dakota, a matchup that over the years has been very back and forth. It's not a clear pick in this one. Um, you know, and again, you talk about riding that wave of confidence when you get to this point in a national tournament where you're one and done um, to me again, Hard to discount the skill of North Dakota, but Omaha, you know, again, how much they have in the tank, you know, can they continue to, you know, to grind and pound their bodies against North Dakota? Uh, How banged up is North Dakota going to be if they get to be that far? They're taking hits. Um, But I do feel like North Dakota comes out of that. Um, So, huh, we have a rematch NCHC championship game. And I mean, come on, do I have to pick North Dakota? No, (laughs) of course. Huskies are going to have a redemption game. They're going to win the first uh, national championship in school history and uh, we're going to send the the crying hawks home back to a uh, good old grand Forks, north dakota oh geez um 
I, to be honest with you, I think if you get that tournament scenario where St. Cloud gets LSSU, you have to be licking your chops at that one. And I think if you get North Dakota in the championship game, I think you have to be licking your chops. I think North Dakota's somewhat had the Huskies number in key situations all year. We know how hard it is to beat a team three or four times in those key matchups. Sometimes the other team finally finds a way uh, to get the job done. For me, I had Duluth, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and the winner of BC or St. Cloud State here. I know we were kind of in between on there. That's going to be, that's the one I think is going to be the most biggest question mark out of all the regionals, to be honest with you, followed by potentially, I would think North Dakota and um, Duluth or Michigan. Um, so I wrote down both scenarios. I tried to do some quick math in my head if I could. So if St. Cloud State wins, which not if, when, right? Gophers would have Minnesota Duluth as the low seed and Wisconsin would have St. Cloud State. So that's a bracket that becomes very, very difficult for all teams involved very, very quickly. Um, St. Cloud State got to take them over Wisconsin. Absolutely. I think Duluth gets the edge over uh, the Gophers as well. So again, an all NCHC championship game, Duluth and St. Cloud, that'd be one heck of a matchup. Uh, moving on to the other side here, uh, potentially if St. Cloud State unfortunately doesn't get the job done, Boston College would have Duluth in that scenario because they would be the higher seed there. <laughs> And Wisconsin would have Minnesota in that oh, one. How about that, huh? <laughs> that would be one heck of a – I don't want the Huskies to lose, but if they lost in that fashion, that would be one heck of a frozen four. Uh, but uh, moving on there, I think Boston College gets the best of Duluth in that scenario, uh, and I think Wisconsin gets the best of Minnesota in that scenario, and I think BC takes home the cake in that one. This BC club is a very, very difficult group, and the Huskies are going to have a tough time getting out of that regional. They have to take care of game number one, first of all, and that's what we're going to touch on next. But just know that BC team, if they play the way they're capable, uh, Jerry York at the helm, holy smokes, that's, that's a dangerous, dangerous group. So let's, yes. take, let's take a look at the matchup for the St. Cloud State Huskies. Uh, Nick, like you mentioned, goaltending going to be an important piece of this one. I was pulling up uh, kind of the schedule here, and I really look at this group uh, for for BU. I think the Huskies, uh, foot on the gas pedal, how often have we mentioned with this group that the starts are going to have to be important, but really they are. I'm going to go through their schedule here because like you mentioned, Nick, they haven't played that many games. Okay, they started off with Providence, who was a bubble team in the year. They lost seven to three in their opener, but then won six to four. Uh, high scoring games, both of those there. They played UMass, the number six team in the country, who won one nothing over UMass Lowell to clinch their uh, championship there. They won four to two and four to three in overtime in the second night. Heading out to Maine, they win three two in overtime and five to one. So they're kind of putting some some traction together. Next, it's an OT loss against Boston College and a win three to one against BC. So you kind of really start seeing this team in early February really starting to gain that traction, right? Then you have a one nothing uh, eking out a win at Vermont, winning five to one in Vermont and then beating UConn three to two in OT. But then here's where it gets interesting, Nick. We talk about finishes to the season and I didn't know if Notre Dame was going to be a team that really kind of earned that bid there. You've got a five to two loss against Merrimack a four to two win against Merrimack, a three to three tie against the UMass Lowell and a two to one loss against UMass Lowell. And that was the end of the season for this group of Boston university. So I, I don't know, Nick, I, I think if the Huskies really stick to their game plan, I think about the start they had at home against Duluth, obviously the finish was not great, but if you have a start like that for the Huskies, boy, would that put you in a really good position against this Terriers team, in my opinion, a couple guys to watch out for uh, on this Boston university team. 
Um, I had the advanced statistics up here. So there they are. All right. I, for sure. I think the guy to watch uh, defenseman senior David Ferentz, uh, um, Hobie Baker, top 10 finalist, uh, point per game player as a defenseman, five goals, 11 assists for 16 points and only 10 games played this year. Uh, he's a guy that I think he's going to be a catalyst. You've got that senior leadership piece as well. I, the other thing you got to look at with this group though, a group that has a lot of kind of young talent carrying the mail. You go Jay O'Brien, 16 points in 15 games. Uh, Luke Tuck, 10 points in 15 games. Uh, Logan Cockerell, uh, nine points in 11 games. But out of that group, you've got a sophomore, a freshman, a senior. And then um, I try to read his name here, Robert Matro-Simone. You know, he's got eight points on the year. He's only a sophomore, another senior, but then three more sophomore, sophomores, two more freshmen, and another sophomore before you hit a junior in the lineup for this group for BU. So I think if you're looking at that before we get to the goaltending piece, uh, Nick, does St. Cloud state have the edge in terms of that veteran presence? They do. Um, you know, you beat me attention to my, the point I was going to make was, you know, you have three upperclassmen, I think in the top 12 yep. in terms of point production, uh, you know, what's not discount that, being an underclassman or upperclassman, does that mean a whole, you know, everything? No. Um, but could it mean a lot come a big type game scenario? It certainly could. Right. Um, this is where, you know, you, and we, we see this in the NHL, right. It's the teams that have that mix of veteran presence and that young talent, right. There's no question this Boston university team has a lot of young talent, Philadelphia, Nashville, Montreal, New York Islanders, Detroit, the top seven are all NHL draft picks. They have, one, two, three, another four. Was it 13, I think, total NHL draft picks on this roster? Um, you know, if you go even down to the goaltending. Uh, but, you know, speaking of goaltending, uh, Drew Camesso, a Chicago draft uh, Blackhawks pick, he's a freshman. Yep. And, you know, pretty impressive numbers. Um, he appeared in nine games. He had a 6-2-1 record. A really nice save percentage at 9-2-4, but a 2.68 goals against average, which means yeah. – I'm you glad know. that I'm glad that you mentioned that because as you look at that, and sorry to cut you off there, for a guy who has a nine two four and a two six eight, a six two and one record is not the greatest. I think you would expect that to maybe be a seven zero oh, and one or something like that, you know. And I know that's a small difference, but you expect a goaltender to maybe grab that extra save to kind of get the job done there. And to me, what that signifies possibly is that he's seen a lot of pucks. And so maybe that save percentage is up, but maybe there's some there's some vulnerability there with on his averages what he does give up, right? And granted, it's a shorter sample size, right? It's yeah. 16 games versus the 27 that St. Cloud State has faced. Um, but you can't look much into it, right? Because sometimes you know, young players have this kind of, you know, I'm in the king of the world type mentality. And sometimes the ignorance is bliss, sort of, you know, that athlete's mentality, you know, it can be a very dangerous mentality when you go into a game like this. It's almost like, you know, you're not really worrying about it. You think like you could just go in and steamroll a team from out West. And if you want to call it from flyover country, you know, kind of thing. So uh, you, you can't overlook this squad. There's a lot of talent there. You can see it by how many teams have already stamped next to a player that they have on their roster. But again, as you mentioned, is it going to be enough? Does their experience, especially with how many younger players they have on this roster, which mind you, because we didn't have the NCAA last year, let's recall this sophomores, they didn't have playoff experience last year. So for them, it's almost like being a freshman, right? So at the end of it, it's going to come down to, you know, can the St. Cloud State leadership help keep things calm when maybe there's some adversity during the game and can they help lead the group maybe, you know, to put the, keep the, um, the foot on the gas pedal if they have a lead, right? So 
I think ultimately that's what's going to be the deciding factor in this hockey game. Uh, But two very skilled teams. And again, Boston University shows it with how much they have in that roster. Yeah, goaltending, I think it's really going to come down to that. And what David Rennick are we going to see? And how much of David Rennick are we going to need, depending on how well this team shows up? I think those are the two question marks here. You mentioned the goaltenders, as you mentioned. Uh, you've got a freshman, a freshman, and a sophomore uh, You know, on this on this BU group. And you look at kind of the career numbers. Uh, Drew Camesso, like you mentioned, that 93 save percentage. Uh, Vinny Duplessis, uh, his career uh, as a freshman, uh, nine three nine save percentage, but you got to wonder the five games. Who did he play against? Right, he could have had a, a couple of teams that I don't want to say were weaker, but he could have had both those games against Maine to get some reps in and hopefully a game that they should win. Uh, Ashton Abel, as a sophomore, he's played eleven total games in his career, an eight nine save percentage, a three two five GAA, and you know a win percentage under five hundred. Which I don't imagine he's going to get the nod, but just something to kind of mention. Moving into special teams, Nick, uh, and they kind of alluded to this in the selection show, uh, BU's numbers as far as these statistics, uh, they're not sexy. (laughs) They're really not. Uh, You look at their power play, uh, clicking uh, at a 15% on the nose, 9 for 60. Their opponents were 10 for 61, meaning their penalty kill was uh, just under 84% on the season. So, I mean, not numbers that are eye-popping by any means here. Uh, and I'm kind of solid though for a PK. It's still solid. It is. But I mean, the thing is, is St. Cloud State, you know, when their power play is clicking on all cylinders, I thought their power play for the Huskies looked arguably as good as it has been all year in the NCHC playoffs. I don't know if they were rewarded with it. Um, but if you're St. Cloud State, especially on the special team side, you got to feel good about your penalty kill. Uh, you don't want to be taking penalties, but I feel good about the PK besides the, the mental lapse against North Dakota there. Um, you know, I feel like St. Cloud has that slight edge in that special teams. Then again, we don't know. We, you don't really have that conference comparison there. Um, and I'm kind of trying to pull in here. You look at this one. Uh, this is really interesting to me, Nick. Um, I'm looking at shots, like overall shots, um, not just in conference, but I guess overall, because they did have one non-conference matchup, if I'm not mistaken. Nick, what do you think that Boston University shot differential is this year it's a minus 112 i'm <laughs> the same sheet you are um yeah. on but yeah it, it's it's interesting but you know again you know you can be outshot 20 to nothing but if you're getting shots in the blue line and you know they're not you know they don't have good chances of going in there from low screen it doesn't matter how many right so quality scoring chances are part of the conversation too and, right and um, and quality scoring when you talk about we've looked at this statistic quite a bit for st cloud state because they're a team the huskies are that usually gets better as the night goes on uh you look at situational records end of the first period when bu's ahead they're 3-1-0 end of the second period they're 7-0-1 if they're ahead right if they're behind 2-2-0 after the first two, three, and zero after the second. So you talk about how imperative this start is for the St. Cloud State team. I think if you're St. Cloud in those first five minutes, you've got young goaltenders with little to no playoff experience, pretty much no playoff experience. You know, you've got a team that doesn't do a very good job suppressing shots. I think comparatively to the game that the Huskies had against Colorado College, think of that mentality where you're kind of like a buzzsaw around the front of the net. And you've got a team that, maybe isn't the most fleet of foot and maybe isn't going to match you on the special team side and their goal differential, if they get down early or their, sorry, their win potential, if they get down early, their record shows that they struggle. If they're not the team playing with the lead, if you're the Huskies, you got to come out of that locker room, like a bat out of hell and ready to go in that first five minutes uh, in my personal opinion. 
Agree. And, you know, I want to go to some, some very, you know, three keys for me for the Huskies to, to win this matchup. Sure. Right. Um, I, and just because uh, I don't want to make this too long uh, yeah. for our viewers, but um, I think key number one is how healthy is that team yet then? Honestly, to me, um, in the conference championship game against North Dakota, he did not look 100%. Now, granted, at the end of the day, when you get to the end of a regular season, you and I both know, uh, know as former players, a lot of guys are, are playing hurt, right? you got bruises, you got nicks, um, you know, try to find somebody that's 100%. It's not going to happen, yeah. right? He, so, he was I, – I would even add the caveat, especially because he got hurt in the first game, and although the first game was tight checking, I thought he looked good then. Unfortunately, like you mentioned, how hurt was he? I thought he was pretty invisible the rest of the tournament, unfortunately, which you hope that the spark that VIT has played with all year comes at the right time. Right. And because to me, that has the most dangerous line. Um, Zach Okabe, as we mentioned, uh, how impressive he was, if he continues to have and play with that fire that whoever lit it under him or himself, keep that flame going because yes. he was very impressive. And, sh and share it with the team, please. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but that to me is the key for St. Cloud State is that line, the flying fins plus Zach Okabe, um, at least as far as an offensive you know, standpoint is concerned. Um, you know, how healthy is he? Because when he's got the puck on his stick, he's got time and space. He's the most deadly weapon to shoot the puck. Um, and he's also the power play, uh, you know, quarterback. And to me, there's no question. We and I both watched this, Noah. The power play just did not look the same without him on that half wall. It just wasn't. It was disorganized. They were trying to force a lot of plays. Uh, they just did not have that same rhythm and that same confidence in moving the puck around. So um, he's huge for the Huskies. And I hope that with this week and a half break, that whatever ailment he was, he's feeling better. He can play more towards the player we saw um, earlier this season. Uh, number two, stay out of the box. Uh, we've seen with St. Cloud that their penalty kill has been good, but as we saw with the season go on, their penalty goal became suspect. And unfortunately, special teams can be the make or break, you know, in these types of games, right? These one and done games. So to me, if St. Cloud's guys stay disciplined, um, they had to, you know, make sure that they're not chasing. So taking those stick infraction penalties, again, being careful with finishing your checks, make sure you're taking the right angles and don't give, you know, your opponents any opportunity to either you know take a one goalie and extend it to two or down by one and end up getting some momentum to tie the hockey game right so to me, stay out of the box all uh micah miller uh, not to point him out but that penalty against north dakota really kind of changed the complexion of that period the huskies didn't really get a chance to put their foot on the gas early in the third period he knew north dakota was coming and you can't put the number one team in the nation on the power play for sure Sure. And then we mentioned before, David Rennick, um, mm -hmm. to your point, right? He looked really good, I think, in the entire tournament. Now, minus I one think, goal, <laughs> minus one goal. But yeah. at the end of it, I mean, he brushed it off, yep. which is what you want to see. Right. Um, it happens. We've talked about it. That's in the past, whatever. Right. But to your point, you know, do we want to see David Rennick? flying on his head no you know so to me we want to see the David running that's poised and confident but a, a goaltender that isn't having to bail his team out right so at the end of it you want him to make that key save here and there you know maybe twice a period to help keep his team in it if the other team uh boston is pushing but you don't want him to be swimming you know, 15 minutes out of every period. So, uh, but for David Rennick, if, you know, the team is starting to struggle, you want to see him on top of his crease. He's challenging the shooters like he was, I think, all tournament. That's the most, I think, aggressive I've seen him play. I think one of the knocks on him, especially as a goaltender, is that sometimes he plays a little bit too deep in his crease and opens up a lot of room on the outside with him. Um, he was much better at rebound control. So, again, 
if David Rennick shows up and the team can feed off that confidence, uh, St. Cloud State's a very tough team to beat. And again, we have them, at least in my bracket, going all the way to, to the championship game and possibly taking that over. This team does have all the tools and the skill to do yes, it. I do. really firmly believe that. Uh, but you have to have not just one, not just two of those recipes. Everything has got to come together, as you mentioned. It's all got to come together now. And if they do that, this team is a very dangerous um, for any opponent that comes into a, a contest with them. I'm just curious as to how David Rennick flies on his head. I, he'd be smiling the whole time. I know that much, right? He probably would be. <laughs> so, like, oh, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. My, 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 th- I, like, I swear that kid could be in a hostage situation. They'd be, they'd be like, tell us where the money is. And he's like, yeah, do you guys want to hang out after? Like, what's the deal? <laughs> anyway, so that was fairly, that was a very poor joke. Anyway, um, but what's not a joke is my three keys here for the Huskies, Nick. Uh, number one for me, simple plays both defensively and offensively defensively get the puck out of the zone. Like if when in doubt, get it out. Like if you're, if you're under duress, take an icing, like seriously, as much, even if you're gassed, but for sure, use the glass, use your outlets, simple first pass um, and break out with transition with speed. You know I mean? That's just simple hockey. It sounds simple, but the Huskies, their big defensive woes come when they're hemmed in their own zone and really struggling to get across, taking things zone by zone. They can't even grab their own blue line and they're struggling to grab the red line and they're struggling to grab the blue line. And it just becomes a mess because they get really bogged down in the neutral zone. And when you got guys that are trying to make a two-on-one rush and they've been on the ice for 30, 35, 40 seconds, it's not easy anymore. Number two, I should say on the other side of that, uh, the simple plays on the offensive side, at times, I think the Huskies tend to get a little bit too cute or maybe take the extra step in the middle of the ice. You get a puck uh, below the top of the circles, inside the dots, grip it, rip it, unless the play warrants that backdoor play. I think the Huskies, um, I go back to the mentality against our Colorado College. Granted, they had a couple of times where they tried to be a little bit too cute and they didn't get frustrated with that, which was nice. But when you're all around the net like that, I think we saw, especially later in the third period, you know, as the sphincters started to tighten a little bit, that the boys were more willing to just put pucks on net and make the right play. And I think that you have to have that mentality from the get-go. Any shot in a playoff game is a good shot because, one, it means you're not defending, and, two, it means the goaltender has to work. And with young goaltenders that you're facing and a team that does not suppress shots very well, second-chance opportunities in traffic are going to be huge. Create some havoc, uh, similar to what Kevin Fitzgerald did quite a bit in the NCHC frozen faceoff. Number two, face-offs. This group has really struggled in the dot as of late. And you talk about the combination with the penalty kill. You can't be losing that penalty kill draw to start that power play. You got to get that puck down the ice uh, and make the simple play, right? And face-offs, I think, for this group are going to be important. I think they do a little bit better in the offensive zone. But defensively, if you can avoid staying hemmed in your own zone, one of the ways to do that is to pick up a puck with speed and with numbers and not have any sort of confusion over the face-off draw. And number three, that balance of emotions. This St. Cloud State team, I think they do a fairly good job for being a somewhat young slash old team and a team that has kind of been, I don't want to say handpicked, but really kind of like coagulated over the past offseason to kind of a new look for this group. I thought they did a great job in the NCHC frozen faceoff. But I think that they have to realize, you know, if they if it happens, if they're down two to nothing, five minutes in that game, they take a timeout. How do you respond? How do you how do you keep that even keel emotion and realize you got 55 minutes of hockey left to play? Uh, again, sounds like a simple recipe, but for the Huskies, you just have to be willing to be able to manage those emotions, trust the process and trust your game. We harped on that in the show on Sunday, but it really does pay dividends, especially, especially when you're playing in a building that you haven't seen all year. 
traveling across the country, flying on a plane, getting into Albany, it's tournament time on top of that. Those are a lot of factors that are little pieces that add to the big picture of where things can become overwhelming. If things aren't going right at particular moments in that hockey game, you don't want the flow of the game is going to look like mountains and valleys. You want your heart rate to look like a strike through text in the middle of that ebb and flow, right? Just a smooth line that's able to kind of cancel out that wave. And I think if the Huskies can do that, they have a chance for sure to be successful in game one and really give whoever they get in game two, game two, a really good look um, potentially. Nick, do you have anything else to add as far as the St. Cloud state team or anything else is concerned here? Let's freaking go. It's playoff time, right? <laughs> so, you know, honestly, um, I'm excited for this group. I think they have a real shot to make a deep run. Um, put it all together, boys. And no matter what happens, you're making us proud. Let's go Huskies. Kick some ass. Absolutely. Quick note here for two things really quick before we end the show. Number one, our bracket challenge for the NCHC uh, tournament closes this Friday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Get your brackets in. DM us on Twitter. Send us a tweet. Uh, find us. Email us at Huskies Warming House Podcast at Outlook.com. There's also a little kind of like thingamajigger on our website. <laughs> thingamajigger, right? That was helpful, right? It's under the contact us tab. Uh, I don't those, think those you... college English studying words. Are oh yeah. Really, you really paying off for you. Th that's why I'm going through college a second time. Right. So, um, <laughs> but I don't think you can submit your bracket through that thing, but if you email us and say, Hey, I'd like to submit my bracket through the email, um, you can do that as well. Um, but like we said, Friday at 11 AM, try to get your brackets in. Uh, we've only got, we've probably gotten uh, just around a dozen. So definitely got a chance to uh, win a hat or a t-shirt potentially come on the show and hang out with us. Uh, not that anyone will want to do that. Right. But Speaking of hanging out with us, Nick, a little bit of a change for our scheduling in the upcoming week, uh, anticipating uh, the Saturday-Sunday matchups that happen uh, in Albany with the tournament there. Uh, we're going to actually push our recording time to Monday night this upcoming week and release our regular show on Tuesday morning when the Healthy Scratch interview segment would normally be. So that's going to be a little bit of a change. I uh, potentially might have a guest next week. We'll have to see, but that's just going to be the first change and we'll see where the dominoes fall after that. So just know uh, it's a busy time for all of us in the broadcasting world. And uh, you know, hopefully we can have our boy Dave Starman on again. Ben Holden might be joining us again to talk some hockey. Uh, anybody who's going to give us the breakdown of what they see here in a very hectic time in the NCAA tournament, we're going to be here to cover it all. Don't forget previews, recaps, and episode number 55 after this regional tournament is over for Noah Grant. I'm Nick Maxson. I'm not Nick Maxson. I'm Noah Grant. I almost did it again, didn't I, Nick? I you am did, Noah, actually. <laughs> I am no. I am Noah Grant. My friend over here is Nick Maxson. We're gonna have it all for you, and we'll see you next week in the den. One timer coming. They score. Fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.